Welcome to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media. Welcome to Life Behind Bars, where we discuss all things prison and crime. I'm Joel, and I'm here with my co-host, Officer Goodwin. Yep, Graham, what's your name? <laughs> and Ella Campbell. Hi. <laughs> okay, so this week, episode one, our very first full episode, and we're going to start right at the very, very beginning with a simple question, why do we have prisons? Got an answer? <laughs> right, that's, that's, that's the ideal part of the show, I think, is people are going to be sat there kind of just... Well, I think... Well, there's multiple reasons, isn't there? So, well, I... you know, it's protection yeah. of the public. Yeah. Incarceration would be the first yeah. one that it gets mentioned and what a lot of people think about. And I... then you have um, rehabilitation mm-hmm. and... Uh, Bit of deterrent thrown in there as well. Don't yeah. do this, you can yeah. the jail. But I think we need to go back in history a little bit because we didn't always invent prisons for those reasons, did we? Because if you think of castles that lock people up, yeah. and, and, and all, yeah. if you go right back in history, it would have been purely not just about punishment, it would have been about control as well. When kings and lords were locking people up, they weren't doing it because you necessarily committed a crime. They were doing it because they needed to control people. And I'll decide what's a crime. I'll decide who sends up and gets tortured and pulled to pieces and stretched to make confessions. Bloody hell. <laughs> it's, gone, it's, gone, it's gone deep quick, isn't Henry it? Henry VIII, mate. Henry VIII, it's a classic yeah, yeah. example. They didn't go to the Tower of London to sit there and get three meals a day and go out on the exercise yard, did yeah, they? That's... So when you think of the history of it, they weren't really prisons as we understand them today, meant to be for the benefit of society, to help society with, for the very things that Emma said about keeping people safe by locking people up for a long time, about rehabilitation, if that's a thing that we can manage to get to, and about using it as a deterrent, not just for them, but for public in general to see the punishments that may be coming their way. That's okay, so, so, so prisons have changed over the years. So yeah. originally, let's step back 400 years. If we go back to 16, 1625, when, mm-hmm. or 1610, sorry, I think it was, when King James I mm-hmm. decreed that every, every county should have a county jail, should have yeah. a prison in the county. So then they built a prison in every single county in, in the UK, which actually I don't think we have anymore. But um, so, so that was the last. So pre that, effectively, we were utilising, there were some jails still, there were some prisons, or, or jails with a G as they were known back then, but they were still utilising castles, which was literally just effectively a hole in the ground. Yeah. Dungeons or something. Yeah, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's one in, in, in Shrewsbury Castle, or Shrewsbury Castle, which is literally yeah. just a, a hole. We've been to Warwick Castle, where they've got a, a great one that you can go and visit and sort yeah. of see what that's like. Lancaster Castle, yeah. which existed as a prison right the way up until, yeah. what, 2013, 2014? Yeah, yeah. So, so those are kind of like, so that's a case of, right, somebody's broken a law, it's, it's whatever the law might be. Ah, well. We'll, we'll come back to that. <laughs> they've broken the law, and they're just chucked in the dungeon, yeah. basically. Yeah. And, and that's it. Yeah. No, no sentence particularly, no kind of you're in here for, oh, I don't know, was it? You're in here for 30 days, you're in here yeah. for a year, just, you're just in there until... I often wonder yeah. whether there was a national format of laws in those days and whether yeah. laws were mostly created by those powerful lords and people that lived within those and controlled those areas. Because you were just coming out of... It was not monarchy also, driven, though, so the king or queen could just go, this is what's going to happen and everyone else to follow. To a degree, but, yeah. But then you'd also have people within each area, like the lords or the... Yeah. I, I don't know what they would have been called. My history is not that fantastic. Dukes. Um, that would have been like kind of in command of that area. Yeah, yeah, that would have yeah. Like Dukes and barons and all those people. Like that. Yeah, so there, there wouldn't have been like a trial process. It would have been a case of that person's yeah. decided. So. Okay, so, I mean, so that's, that's to take people... That's to effectively either punish... Yeah. 
or to remove from society. Those, those are the two things. Yes. And, and who created judges? Yeah. What were judges in those days as opposed to what they are today? Because we know they're official people that are meant to be independent and chosen independently. Whereas in those days, it might have been the local baron that decided who was going to be the justices. Or they might have been. So they would have decided right the way up until the 1800s who lived and who died. There was no... This is a standard sentence across the country. If you think about, if you think about the even 17 and 1800s when we were transporting people, yeah. judges decided who went and who stayed. They didn't go, there's a national list here. Oh, for that offence, you must go to Australia for 14 years. They probably said, well, no, I don't like you. This is the second time I've seen you. So that's a death sentence for you. But you can go to Australia for 14 years. Because I haven't seen you twice. Because you sent me to Australia. (laughs) (laughs) Bearing in mind that was probably, in their mind, a fate worse than death to go out to the American colonies and to go to the Australian colonies. When you think about it in those terms. Oh, yeah, because it's such a long time. Over 240 offences up until the 1830s. You know, we like I say, I, I say to my uh, audience, a, a young girl of eight years old was uh, hanged for stealing loaves of bread. Mm. Yeah, that's yeah, no, so then we'll, 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 we'll come on to executions, I'm sure, at some yeah. point throughout the series. So we're, we're effectively saying, I think what we're saying, originally prisons were used to, um, as, a, uh, as a punishment, because you're going into somewhere that's just really nasty, you're not going to get fed, you're probably going to die whilst you're in there, so it's almost yeah. a death sentence anyway. And it is, I, my assumption is, I wasn't alive back then, obviously, is to remove you from society so you can't commit further crime. Yeah. If we then fast forward a, 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 a hundred and fifty odd years, um, or a couple of hundred years, we go through prison f- reform, and that's when we start kicking into rehabilitation, so modern day prison. Because if we fast forward right to where we are now, modern day prisons exist for what? To, to, I, I suppose you could give it a, a. It's really hard to define it right down, but you'll say that it's it's to benefit society. Prisons are there for the benefit of society in the whole. So it's about protecting the majority of people, and you'll always have to accept in a society there will always be a minority of people that will go against the rules and regulations and the moral but values that we've set in society at this moment in time. In, in that sense, yeah. That's when you kind of start to question the purpose of prison, isn't it? Because it's like one of those things is deterrent, but it's like, well, it's, it's like over half the percentage, over half of violent crimes are committed by one percent of the population. population. So therefore, is deterrent really working? It, I know. It, if if they're well, let's, but let's that gets right down to the question: Do prisons work for many people? Depends on. Uh, because I always say that over forty-six percent of our population serve six months or less in jail. Yeah, which is a great, a great point. I really what, what are you doing with people for six months or yes. less? Yeah. Many are yeah. serving two or three weeks. Well, I really want to pick that up on you with the conversation that I had had with a with a with a prison governor and with serving officers, currently serving officers, about their thoughts about how certain crimes and how they should be done. It was really interesting because I think that the people that are on the ground doing it and living it daily actually probably will make better decisions than the politicians and the civil servants sat in Westminster making these decisions based on what they're reading and kind of those experiences because they, they know. But let me, let me, before we go on to that though, so the, as, as I understood it from, from our discussions pre-show, um, we've got things like prevention, which is to keep society safe. So we put people in, put prisoners in prisons to keep society safe. Well, they can't stop the crimes again. Yeah. yeah, we have punishment. So the punishment, and this is a this is a controversial one. We'll get to that maybe in the in the in the, in the second uh, third of our show, which is around punishment and what is the punishment? Is the punishment 
how you get treated when you're in prison, or is the punishment the fact you're removed from society? Well, we'll, 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 come, back, we'll come back to that. We're, we're, there's a big one, I know. There's deterrent. So does society look at prisons and kind of go, well, if I do that, I'm going to end up here, therefore it operates as a, as a deterrent. And then there's probably, I don't know, I guess it depends where you sit on the fence, but I would say maybe the one of the biggest impacting facts or one of the big things is the rehabilitation side. Is yeah, about what, what rehabilitating you do with people that are criminals effectively. What do you do with people once you've got them incarcerated? So yeah. yeah. So those those are kind of the four key the four big ones, I guess. There's many, many, many. Where do you want to start? Well, you said obviously you went, you went straight from history to modern day rehabilitation. Yeah, yeah. Obviously in the middle there, there was a bit where it focused much more on yeah. punishment. All right, well, let's, let's, start improved, let's start Let's start. But they improved conditions from those early dungeon yeah. days to yeah. gradually uh, make uh, When you think of John Howard, who was the commissioner of yeah. this prison, with the last one before he died. Prison reform. Even Howard, though yeah. he was a believer in what they call the separate system, which yeah. meant locking you up and keeping you in a cell separate from all the others, they still believed in giving you some kind of lay just explain for people very, very quickly then, Graham, in, 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 in not a, a two-full tour sense, the difference between a, a Georgian prison, which is what we were talking about, kind of Georgian prisons really took over from the uh, from that kind of hole in the ground, effectively, is what Georgian prisons yeah. became kind of the first. It became much more nationalised in yeah. the way it operated. And, yeah. then, and then we move into the Victorian before we move yeah. into here. So just explain very quickly for people that... that won't know potentially what Georgian prison cell looked like, people in cells and stuff, to Victorian prison. So a big difference in the regime. Well, it would have been commonly for in the Georgian system, as you said, believers in the separate system. But it wasn't exclusively separate. It really still had a bit of a mixture of old and new. So there were sometimes in our old Georgian prison where there was a workhouse built inside the walls here, which is like coming to prison for being poor. And there was also for the very wealthy, because we classed our prisoners by class. So upper-class prisoners that were coming in, might be for debt, because there was no limited companies in those days, would be in jail until they paid their debt. Debtors. So it was a debtor's prison as well. And then the separate system would have been probably kept for criminal element, what they call the people that actually committed those offences and were convicts or felons, as they called them in those days. And then that's, and so the, there was a mixture of all those things. But when we moved into the early 1800s, you'll remember a name called Elizabeth Fry. And she had a different view of the way that it should be done. And she was probably one of those prime movers that believed in some kind of beneficial education to a, a, a prisoner in jail. So that's when they started to drift away from what they call the separate system. And, and this is the early 1800s, 1830s, and move into what you call the, the, um, the, the, the silent system. So they still believed in it. was still harsh by our standards, of course. Yeah. Unless you were spoken to, you didn't speak to people. Yeah. But you were allowed then to be with other prisoners. You could work with them, you could exercise with them, and you could actually go to church. Remember, all these things were compulsory, because their version of education was, you will go to church and listen to the word of God and, and read the good book. These things were compulsory for prisoners to do, uh, as would be out doing something useful. Remember, their version of what's useful may not be in our understanding when you think they were still had the treadmills. Yeah. Treadmills. So, cause, cause, so there was an element of education, religious mostly based, and there was also an element of pure punishment. But that's not the definition we use today of why people come to jail. And I'll get, I don't know whether it's just the time to say oh, that. It's, it's that. I mean, let me just make sure that's, that's clear for people, because I'm, I'm, I'm conscious we talk about it a lot. We get it because, you know, we live and breathe this pretty much every single day, and we have done for years. The Georgian system was, as you very much say, was separated 
to a degree by class. You had a first class section, yeah. a second class, class yeah, section, yeah, a third yeah. class, which is basically different classes of society in jail based on your crime. You then had additional pieces, like you'd have had a debtor's jail, for example. Yeah. You'd have had a workhouse. Transportation. Um, yeah, but everybody would be piled in those sections. Within those sections, you'd have had men, women, and children yeah. in together in a single cell, yeah. 13, yeah. 14, 15 in a cell. People were dying of dysentery, dying of disease, dying of abuse. Um, you know, if you imagine that you've got you know, six big guys in their 30s and a couple of women and four children in a cell together and they're all criminals. Technically, all, they're, they're, they're third uh, you've really got five different styles of prisons all yeah. inside one wall. Yeah. yeah, completely different. It's, it's, not, like, it's not like the Ryanair style of flights where everyone's the same. Everybody's the same. It's literally a, a yes. class and the system. Le level of criminality, the types of crimes yeah. that the so felons would have committed would be varied because it would done on mm -hmm. class, not yes. on. Yes, no, exactly. Yeah, with just with the, with a couple of uh, changes with the with the debtors bit, which would normally be slightly. Uh, wealthier prisoners, for, for example, to a degree, because they've got themselves into debt with big businesses. Well, the, the, the debt system before they brought out limited companies yeah. was basically you were personally responsible for any debt in business, yes. and they would hold you there until you sold off your land. We call it directors' guarantees these days. Yeah. <laughs> sold <laughs> off your land, enough. sold off your businesses, and, and, and we have somewhere, we've got a certificate somewhere, of a bill yeah. that was given to a prisoner for their time in prison, and it was a debtor's bill. I think it was £6 nine shillings and wow. so many pence and that would have been a huge sum of money in those days but they would have been treated very well I, they I would have had really good food brought in by their by their people there was nothing wrong with I that i think we should hold on to that for the moment for, for maybe not maybe the latest today but later in the series yeah. the fact that there was a time where prisoners were given a bill for being in prison yeah particularly the debtors and yeah. stuff like that yeah. so, so so we've got that that's the georgian era very much dark very much sort of still dungeony based you know treatment was awful uh, people would came to jail yeah. pretty much a life sentence to yeah. sanitation would have been appalling move into the victorian era and we move to a single cell accommodation style mm, mostly um, men mostly. and women beginning to be separated into different wings uh, not, not well, the same cell but different wings uh, yeah well that, that, that sort of was much much later on because local prisons Literally, for literally right up until the 1900s, literally would have hold women in the same prisons as men. Yeah, but, but separate wings. Like she would yeah. be classically C yeah. wing. It was for women. Yeah. But it was in 1921 when the government said, "We don't need to be doing that. We need to separate people mm -hmm. from." Uh, Holloway was a slightly different example in London. It was well, a mixed we'll, prison we'll, until 1902. We'll come on to that one as well, because I'm sure we'll talk more about yeah. the, the difference between male and female prisons, which I know, I mean, you've, you've got um, some... some I guess some thoughts and some knowledge here. There's a huge difference between male mm. crime and female crime, and the amount of of prisoners as well that are actually in prison. That, that anyway, move on. Um, so, so we have that, and then we get to Victorian era, which is like you say, it's, it's here's the Bible. You're going to get, you're going to yeah. effectively rehabilitate yeah. through the Word of God. Yeah, and silence. And then we move on to more recent rehabilitation, which is more about providing a lot more. Um, support to yeah. prisoners so that when they are released they're in a better position to become part of the community in a in a kind of mm. more healthy way and they can look at different education and they can do programs that are um, met uh, to their their needs so yeah. whether it's around thinking skills or anger or yeah. um, different kind of emotional beings that it, what depending on what the offense is and what their needs are they can do programs to help manage their thinking and then the education side of it there's a vast amount of education from basic learning to read and write to degrees or doing mm. more hands-on skills like building workshops Vocational or um, plumbing and things like that so 
that, that can help. The question then comes when they're doing two to three weeks in prison, what you can then put in place and how much more follow-up there should be to support them when they're reintegrated. It, it's a, yeah, it's an interesting point that because when you think about I mean, right the way back to the 1930s and 40s, prisoners were doing reasonably good quality training. Well, I, we mustn't think that it's new. It's different today because we've added new things in: mental health issues, anger management, cognitive skills. These probably didn't exist in the 30s and 40s. Uh, we've got photographs somewhere one of our workshops in the 1940s. Yeah, and the prisoners there have got a trades officer teaching prisoners to do woodwork and bricklaying and all. So it's not new, it's, not, it's over eight, nearly 80 odd years old, or coming up for 80 years old, that pro and there would have been a very, what we call standardised education, I think, wouldn't it? It would have been English, maths, and those what you call core subjects that would have been done in a classroom setting. And then, Emma's quite right, then we moved on and started to recognise, because the people that were coming in changed as well. When you think of the old-style prisoner, the day there are far more mental health issues coming in, or at least more recognised mental health issues coming in. But there was far more drug addiction prisoners coming through our doors now, and there are far more prisoners coming through with self-harm and suicidal issues and problems that need to be dealt with in jail. So we've changed the emphasis. We still do the vocational training. We still do the educational training, as Emma said, sometimes right up to degree level, depending how long you're spending in jail. But we've had to add other stuff in there, like. AA, drug awareness courses, anger management courses, domestic violence courses, um, things like debt management courses, how to manage money. It's right down to writing CVs and doing interviews. And the big one in prison is called COG skills, cognitive skills, based on psychology, but how we think about the deficits that we need to address, I suppose. But Providing them the skills and the tools to be able to manage themselves and yes. what's going on in society yeah. and what else is going on in their lives, because life, there's always problems in life, yeah. but you need the tools and the skills to be able to manage that. Yeah. And if we can provide those, if prisons can uh, adequately support people, then they're in a better position to cope yeah. when they get released. Yeah. But, but it's the management, it's them managing their own risks, isn't it, and all that. But then we move on to the length of sentence, because to achieve some of those things, you can't do it in a week, and you can't do it in a fortnight, and you can't do it in two months. Yeah. You're asking people to change in two to three months of a prison sentence that may have taken many, many years to instill into them as a conditioning part of their growing up and the life where they live. So the reality is, said 46% of our prisoners serve less than six months. What do you do with people? Sometimes by the time you've got them onto the detox programme, they're on their way home. Are they serving less than six months because the it's first crimes and therefore they're not given very long or are they serving that because the type of crime doesn't have a hugely long sentence no, is it because we yeah. have the uh, you have to forgive me i can't remember what it's called but we effectively have a cut in half system you get sentenced to 12 months you're probably going to serve six uh, yeah it, it changes once you get the seven years sentence and depending on the crime it's yeah. now changed again only just recently but on average yeah prisoners serving four years would be expected to do two of them and then released on license yeah so they're still technically a prisoner yeah out but of they're, jail. Out, they're outside that's the right. final two years yes. but but the, 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 the rehabilitation and things available when they're on license mm -hmm. yeah um, yeah but mag magistrates are limited to what they consent they're already limited to 12 months maximum based on two sentences they cannot give a, a 12 months for a single sentence so they can make it 12 months by saying six months for that offense and six months for that offense and that'll be 12 months I don't they are thinking of changing that and giving magistrates the option of up to two years but i believe that's purely been done to ease up the crown courts 
Now, even magistrates can go, I believe this sentence is worthy of more than I can give. So I'm sending you up to Crown Court where the judge up there has the power to give you longer than what I'm limited to give yeah. you. But many offences would fall right there within that. And I believe there are pressure on magistrates to lock up prisoners for the least amount of time because technically that's what you should be doing. Yes. You should be looking to lock prisoners up for the least amount of time, not the maximum amount of time. Which I think is a, is a good thing if there's support outside yeah. to make yeah. sure, because I think rehabilitation should be the focus. I think punishment deterrent is a part of it. The punishment is that kind of taking away freedoms, you know, where your family can't, you don't have quite the same liberties and yeah. choices and things. But yeah, it's, it's, it, the, 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 the punishment is taking you out of society, so you can't go, I want to go to the pub tonight, or exactly. I want to go and, or and do this. Or, sit yeah, on the sofa and watch a film with your family. Yeah. Yeah. Anything, the definition anything. is lots of freedom. Yeah. Um, but what's the point of punishment if you're not rehabilitating? Because yeah. you're still then chaining out people that need help, because at the end of the day, they're people that need help. I guess it comes back down to the crime, doesn't it? There's certain ah, crimes that we but, should. That, but then you should. It. There's certain crimes that we would go, or society may go. That person has no point in rehabilitating them. They're too far gone. They're going to be in prison for the rest of their life. Therefore, why don't we punish them in a different way? Punishment no, is not necessarily removing them from society. Maybe we should be, you know, doing other forms of punishment like we used to. Well. That, that's, a, that's a debate that we may get some response on <laughs> from all that, of course. Uh, but when you, yeah, when you look at that sort of program of rehabilitation and looking sort of get prisoners to do different things, that's perfectly correct too. But there's a bigger, bigger question that we should ask generally about who are the people that are committing the bulk of the crimes? And that may be about society. So it's not by accident that the largest amount of people in jail come from what we term, I'm not always a big fan of this expression, the lower socio-economic groups, those that have got the least advantages coming on their life, those that have the most disadvantages, who are least likely to benefit from anything that's in their life. Because let's be honest, how many wealthy people do you see in jail? Yes, we have them. They only make up a time. And their offences are very often different. They're not car thieves. They're not dealing drugs on the street. They're not doing those things, wealthy people. They're either big fraudsters or they might commit a violent crime, of course. Murder and rape doesn't go beyond, there's no barrier on those, of course. But the other kind of crimes, they don't have a problem with mobility and education. They've already got that. So their crimes are distinctly different. And usually the very wealthy people, or the wealthy people come in, you don't see them return to prison in the same way as you see the lower economic groups, in and out, in and out, in and out. And that's a lack of probably proper backup rehabilitation. Once they step out these doors, where are they going? Right back to the world they stepped in from, particularly drug addicts. Well, that's, John, that's a really, that's a really interesting point there. I think what we'll, what we'll do is let's take a, a, a quick 30 seconds so we can hear from our sponsors because we have to have sponsors of the show because it's, well, it's how we, how we live. Absolutely. Graham's like, what? What? You guys sponsor like a paid? <laughs> no, um, so let's, let's take, a, let's take a, 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 a quick break just to hear from our sponsors and then we'll come back and let's talk more about punishment and prevention. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mil Media. Unlock the past and discover what life was like at Shepton Mallet Prison. Relive the history of past prisoners over the last 400 years. Experience what a Victorian prison cell was like for those incarcerated. 
see where executions were carried out. Walk the landings and prison wings. You'll hear stories of those who worked and lived behind its high walls. See it, touch it, feel it on a journey of discovery at the nation's oldest prison. Visit ShiptonMalletPrison.com today to find out more. You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media. Right. Okay. So we're now going to talk uh, around uh, prevention and we're going to talk around uh, punishment and, and a little bit to deterrence. What, what I wanted to frame very quickly was this is something that actually you'd said, Graham, you'd, you'd said it to me. I've heard you say it a number of times in tours, but it's that prison in itself, in, in, in the way it is, is a reflection of society. What happens in prison is, is, a, is effectively what happens in society. They are, they are the same. The, the difference, and I think where people maybe don't see it, because we don't if we don't look at it, is in society, 99.9% of people don't commit crimes. They don't break the law. There is a percentage that do, and that, that breaking of law varies from people um, uh, you know, breaking uh, traffic law in terms of driving too yeah. fast, all the way through to maybe stealing your chocolate bar, all yeah. the way through to, to, to murders and, and, and you know, big, big crimes, um, and everything in between. The difference is that when you have a prison, you have the same, the same uh, basis of society. The difference is the people inside prison is that tiny population of they're all criminals, effectively. There will be some innocent people in prison. I'm just going to put that out there before we get slated for, for saying everyone is, is, is guilty. But, well, everyone is guilty that's in prison, but some, well, some might not have committed crimes. If the law says they're guilty, you can only operate on what the law well, says. Yeah, so we'll, that's yeah. maybe a different subject for a different day. God, Twitter's going to go crazy on that comment. Um, but what you end up with is that small percentage of society all in one place which therefore magnifies and compounds the problems inside prison, which is why people think there's so many problems inside prison, but actually the problems in prison already exist in society. It's just the percentage is much smaller. If you squeeze people into a small space and, and you've got all those people coming in and they're all different, absolutely different, you're going to create a, a pressure cooker yeah. eventually and you're going to squeeze them all in. Um, so you're trying to deal with everybody as a prison officer, an ex-prison officer. I was trying to deal with everybody that come in and they're all completely different, completely different. They've got different emotions. They've got different levels of education. They've got different levels of intelligence. They've got different moral values. But each one of those people I have to manage and they're all in the same place. And there's an assumption that all prisoners are on one side and all staff are on the other. It's just not true. So these prisoners have got problems. They always say, oh, they get TVs and they get, they get all these things, they get too much. That isn't their problem. That isn't the problem in prison for prisoners. It's each other. All that problems you've got with violence and people self-harming and debt and all that stuff going on there is what's going on amongst themselves. And the staff in there are trying to do something about something that's extremely difficult to manage. That's much more complex today in let, prison than it ever was. Let, let's, let me ask you this about punishment. I don't know if it's, that it's much more complex than it ever was. It's just that we now actually deal with some of those issues, whereas, like, way back in history, no one even... No, no, I preach it in history. these things were... Mental health wasn't a thing in 1870. No, it didn't, it didn't <laughs> exist. But I'm certainly talking about the, from the 1900s up to now. If you take a look, there wasn't the problem with drug addiction in yeah. prisons that there is today. There may 
may have been some element of mental health issue, but I do honestly believe that mental health issues are increasing in this country, yeah. not just being recognised, which many of them are now quite rightly been recognised, they're actually increasing. And that may be about society, the pressures that we put on people, the way we live our lives, who we are as a society. Remember, that may be affecting mental health as well. And then mental health affects decisions, doesn't it's it? a lot of expectation about who you should be. In who you should be, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's a whole argument about media. And oh, social media's got it, a lot to answer for. Yeah, let's but, not slate it just yet because that's how we're going to promote the show. <laughs> so, but, but you're absolutely right, yeah. and, and that takes time yeah. in, in any change, any cultural change, wherever it may be, however it's placed, it takes time to have an effect. Yeah. And as that pendulum swings, sometimes it can swing too far one way and it has to then come yeah. back about. So social media's almost gone that far. Yeah. And, and ideally, the police and social media should come back. But yeah, it, it is about, about that. But, that, but I, I hope day, we get the chance to deal with, with social media and crime, because I've got certain views about those things. But when it comes, it may not be a subject for now, because we're dealing with um, the basics of prisons rather yeah. than the, the intricacies well, let me, of let me, let me just pull you back to, to punishment, because I think this will be a big one for people, because I speak to people all the time that say we should just chuck them in, lock them up, mm. throw away the key. We had this discussion on Saturday morning. There's, the, you know, the, the idea of just put them in a cell, lock them up, chuck the key into the river type of stuff. Don't give them TVs, don't give them PlayStations, they're ridiculous. They live better than people on the outside, which to a degree is true. Prisons are heated. They have TVs. There are, you know, games consoles. They're yep. given food three, every three day, day. healthcare, yep. gyms, yep. everything that kind of yep. comes around. There is definitely a lot of people, and that percentage is getting bigger and bigger and bigger in society, that do not have the same... I'm going to use the word privileges. They do not have the same privileges that people in prison might do. They have the option to be able to walk out the door uh, and go down the road and go to the shop and go to the pub. Might not be able to afford to. I don't think that that's about prison shouldn't have these. It's the fact that society should have more yes. um, of the, you know, people shouldn't be in a position where they can't afford heating and things like that. And yeah. that's not saying that, oh, because they haven't got it, they well, shouldn't I'm have not, it. I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm not disagreeing with that. And, that, that, and, that, that, and, that, but and then we're going back to the definition of what prison are for. Yeah, and I'm today not, it says it's a loss of freedom, not a punishment. Let me, let me put it this way. I'm not disagreeing with you. I, I think you're absolutely right. That, that shouldn't happen to society. But the fact is, it is happening in society. That is where we are right now. So why don't we turn off the heating inside prisons, save that money for the taxpayer, and put it into paying the heating bills for people that can't afford to, that haven't committed crimes? Because you're going to ask what effect you're going to create. See, prisoners will get cold. Yes, we, we always have, people always have solutions. Everybody's got an idea in their own opinion yeah. of a solution to something. But the reality is it's asking about the practicalities of a solution. What is the point of doing something that if the end result of what you've done is going to cause you more problems than what you think you're doing is the right thing? It might be great to give all that people that money, but then you've got to start dealing with this and you're going to ask, so will just people just sit in their cells then? Will they not riot? Will they not hurt and damage staff and each other because they will react to that situation, burn a prison down, and then you're going to spend taxpayers' money that you thought you saved building the next one? No, I'm not. I'm, not, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate on that a little bit. I'm going to go a little stage further and say that because you've committed a crime, you're in prison, your punishment is you've been removed from society. That, that's People it. in society are getting punished in further because their taxes now have to pay for your yep. upkeep. Now, if we moved prisoners to two meals a day rather than three, it will save money. And it is going to have an impact on an individual's life having two meals a day 
but it's not going to put them in danger of death because they're still no. going to get substance and the nutrients they need to live. It's going to reduce the, number, the money across 88,000 prisoners, I think, we currently have in the country. Something well, like I, I think it's on about, the, 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 with COVID, it dropped down to about 82 because yeah. they, they didn't, they, they suspended, the, suspended the courts. If we reduce the heating, which is a huge cost to run prisons, I can guarantee people of that. Yes. And we and they've already hacked into staff levels, which I'm sure you can both, both, mm. both talk about and relate to in different ways. But if we did that, the money we save could be allocated, reallocated, into people that can't afford to heat their homes mm. or to eat this winter, yep. that money could just be reallocated. The people in prison, absolutely, they're going to have a harder time of it. But shouldn't they maybe have a harder time of it for committing the crime in the first place? The deterrent side of things didn't work. Well, that, that, that's the argument about whether we put people in prison because we want to do more damage than we've started in the first place. How's that going to do more damage? Well, because people will be more difficult to manage. If somebody's going to be cold all day, I have no illusion. Remember, I'm at the cold face, you're at the cold face when you're dealing with prisoners, and when you're dealing with people that may be cold a day and miserable and now not happy, how do I motivate them to go and actually do something positive? They're going to go, because I'm not in a mood to. That's like having, would you have a classroom that's cold to get, to get children's attention? You're cold now, children, but if you pay attention, if you pay attention and do the right thing, we'll put the heat back on for you. They're not going to. They're just going to sit there going, oh, oh, I'm cold, I can't can't think, I can't do this. How do you then integrate them back into society? Because you're creating that divide. You treat people how you want to be treated to a certain extent. Yes, we have to have certain elements of the system there to keep other people safe. But if you want them to start to recognise authority as part of society rather than this us and them, then... I guess you, you, guys, you well, guys are using the carrot, I'm using the stick. Well, well, yes, absolutely. But the very first thing that you said is about, uh, it's not about, I think, you said it, it's not about uh, taking stuff because pensioners or old people or poor people don't have stuff. Then we're living in a society which is a little bit like, oh, well, if, the, if, if I can't have it, nobody else can have it either. And you go, no, no, the answer is you should have it. Yeah. And society should make sure you have it. It's as simple as that. People shouldn't have to be sitting there saying, well, I don't have it, they shouldn't have it. That's just the, the, the politics of envy and anger and, and revenge and pain. And I got, I, no, no, what's, what's, people shouldn't what's, have what's to the benef- What's the benefit of giving prisoners TVs and, and computer consoles? Let's stick with TVs, for example, because I've got, uh, and kettles in their well, well, I remember when TVs first came out and the very, very, it would be a typical classical reaction by staff that have been accustomed for prison having no more than a radio in their cell. Yeah. I said, why give them radios? Well, they decided to do that long, long before. But the, on reflection, whether we like it or not and whether we think it's right enough, they are pacifiers. Not only does it pacify prisoners, we use them to pacify our children. We use them to pacify ourselves because we sit down in the evening and watch programs. And they're no different. So as far as that's concerned, TVs that we found as staff, and most staff may or may not agree with that if they're watching this, uh, they become pacifiers. So when you're having to lock prisoners in cells sometimes, through no fault of their own, because there's no work available, and or the state... Well, I would say it's fault of their own, because they've committed... No, no, I'm talking themselves in prison. No, I'm talking while they're in prison. They can't work in prison, because not because they're not willing to, it's because we don't have the availability to give it to them. So we're going to put them behind the door. And I go, then, trust me, I worked with prisoners when there were no TVs in cells, and they were. And mostly when they go behind their door, the TVs are on, and they're sitting there, and it is pacifying them to a degree. 
to a degree. I'm not saying that it's something that should want. So it just gives them something to, you must to teach your privileges. And it's another one of the carrots, isn't it? Because they can lose it through. Yeah, it's a privilege. Yeah, yeah. So people forget that everything that prisoners have, nearly everything they get. Smoking was always a privilege in prison. It's not a right, and that's why governors could take tobacco off prisoners as a punishment. There's no smoking in prisons now, and it's vapes. I don't know whether vapes are still part of the privilege system. I don't, or whether they've just made it into a. Because here's here's the thing, and. uh, with with TVs, I get the carrot. You know, it's 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 the carrot side of things. And if they if they misbehave, or if they break the rules, then the TV comes off them. Their cellmate won't be very happy about it for a start. They don't be very happy. So it's an encouragement for them to behave better. Well, that's it's called the IEP scheme. It's basic standard and enhanced prisoners. Yeah. They get more privileges the higher they go. So the better they behave, the the, yeah. the more. And, and it can go. It can float so up and down. It's, let, uh, let me let me talk about TVs very quickly. There's there's some things there. I, I, I'll, I'll explain it now very quickly because we're in episode one. And these things will obviously happen over time. But both of you two working in prison, civil servants, you've both been signed into the Official Secrets Act. There'll be things that we talk about through the show that you will have to refrain or you'll have to abstain abstain I guess from talking about because you're you, you can't because you'll you'll breach you'll breach those acts. Um, and obviously you know lots of individual things about lots of different individual prisoners. I'm not bound by those same things. Um, but one thing that I do know in terms of prisons with something like TV licensing, when we come to costs, mm. a prison has to have two TV licenses. One for staff areas, one for prisoners. So in Shrewsbury Prison, for example, 178 prison cells. So in theory, up to 178 TVs. There'd be an officer's mess, maybe with a couple of TVs yeah. in it type of stuff. Probably those, those would yeah, be been, about your limit. So you TV could have had about 180 to 200 TVs in a prison, two TV licenses. So there's, 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 there's a thing there. I'm sure people will be like, well, that's ridiculous. Why do I have to pay my TV license when I only have two TVs in my entire house? But you can have this. So there's, there's that aspect. But also, TVs cost money to run. You plug them in, they cost electric. And what we're saying is that they have, prisoners have TVs to, um, as, as, a, as a pacifier, but also they only get them once they've behaved so much. So why don't we have a system where we turn the heating off in your cell until you get to a certain level I know well, you have two meals exactly what until you get say. to a certain level. And once you get to that level, i.e. you're behaving better, you can have the heating on in your cell or turned up to a certain yeah, level. You can have the I understand that. And I'm going to say it for Ember because she's going to say it before me if I don't. He's <laughs> <laughs> jumping good. That's good. <laughs> Basic human rights. Exactly okay. But, but people on the outside don't have Remember, we, still, we are still bound by the Human Rights Act. Yeah. We might drop out of it and create our own, but at this moment in time, basic human rights will mention those kind of things. The right to fresh air, the right to breathe, but, the but, right to But water. there's people outside right now. Is this, is this show, yeah. show aired? We're recording end of September. It's going to air the end of October. By the time we get to this airing, people are going to be choosing between eating and heating. That's going to be a reality outside. It's Those people have been excluded from their basic human rights based on what's happening. But in they're not being withdrawn by a physical person. Like if someone turns the heating off, well, they're, they're having like, to do it to themselves yes. because they and can't they afford sh- to pay and, and they shouldn't have to. No, they but shouldn't. they are having to. So therefore. Couldn't we be turning around and saying, well, let's take the worst of society, those that are in prison because they've committed crime, and let's add to the tiering system, which is already there, it already exists in terms of how many visits you can have, how long you might be in your cell for, whether you can use the gym, whether you can have a TV. Let's just add to that heating and food. Yeah, but things like heating, it's like 
it, that human right side of it, if you're physically turning it off, you are depriving someone when you physically can give it. Yeah, Where, just like an, uh, we give them a coat water, blanket. A water company can't turn the water off on your house because it's your human no, but right. But they, can, but they can take you to court right. and send you to prison for not paying the bill. Right. If you if you read if you ever bothered to look at the Human Rights Act, I've, I've glanced. Like, it's very complicated. Yeah, but, yeah I have. But it will talk, <laughs> it will talk about it will talk about in there. Human Rights Act will talk about the treatment of prisoners as well. Yeah. Because they'll say where do you yeah, stop? You have to have a baseline, and that baseline is that everybody we have to first of all assume is a human being and are deserving of those basic human rights, regardless of their circumstances, regardless of the conditions you're in, every prisoners of war should be treated under the Human Rights Act and be entitled. Yeah. Because they might say, well, why should we? That's why we have war crimes. Because they go, no, 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 remember, uh, the, in our Second World War, there were certain elements of certain um, uh, armies and, and services that treated prisoners of war appallingly, right down to cruelty. So the reality still that's now, why, we see this in the, in the news with Russia and Ukraine. Yeah, and so that's why the Human Rights Act was built in there to say that we need to limit that. Because where do you stop? If you say we can turn heating off, then what else might we do? What else? Well, we reduce the males to two males. I know where you're going. And I know, the soap is going. The soap is So we turn the heating off, yeah, we reduced it to two meals, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And that didn't work. Yeah. It hasn't worked. So what are you going to do now? Because you've made no effect. <laughs> if it doesn't yeah. work, what you've done is ineffective. So yeah. what will you do now? You've taken... So you've got them so one meal a day? Are you asking me? Yes. What if I take it to one more? Yeah, it doesn't work. I, I, okay. Uh, it, no, because if it doesn't work, reducing it further is not going to work. No. Doing the same thing. So therefore, it's pointless. Doing the same thing expects a different result. Is the the, the, the first certainty? Absolutely. Yeah. What I'm what I'm questioning, I guess I'm arguing. I'm making it difficult because I want to because because I like to make things difficult. Um, is the sense of. But have we tried that? And and, and before you answer, yes. let, well, before you, before you answer, let me let me let me just ask you this one because this is again something we've discussed. When you get to in the next month, when you're in a prison service in the next month, and it's slightly different for you because the type of jail I was in. But for, for you, oh, sorry. <laughs> but for you, Graham, in the jail you're in around this time of year, in a month's time, you would see a number of faces coming back for probably six month sentences. Four to six months, a bit less, because you'd be seeing yeah. homeless people coming in yes. because they knew mm. they could commit certain crimes, which would give them three, four, maybe five months, yeah. which would put them into a local jail. They'd get three squares a day yeah. in terms of three, three meals a day. They'd get access to gym, showers, heating, mm. new clothes, and then when they leave, they'd get given a discharge grant, a travel grant, and they'd also be given potentially uh, clothes and a fit. But, but, so people were already going. I'm better off in jail yes. than I am in society. Yeah. Where's that line now going to be, considering that the, the, the cost of living is now so much higher than it was? Is that line going to move? And are we going to have people, again, at the poor ends of society, so potentially in, in low-cost accommodation, in temporary mm. housing, possibly even in council houses, going, do you know what? I'd be better off in jail. Nothing to lose. 
I don't. I'd be better off in jail. Yeah, but there is, there is, it, it is quite conspiratorial. Prisons are no longer to tell. Yeah. They're an encouragement. When you think of it, it's quite conspiratorial. It's not just about that person. They don't choose to come to prison. What they do is they see an avenue that helps them. Now, years ago, it used to be alcoholics on the street. It's much more drug and mental health issues living on the streets today. And they're aware of that. But there's somewhere along the line, when they turn up and do that crime, they know they're going to court. They probably know, and there may be some judges out there are fully aware of the situation and are probably already making that decision when they could have said no I'm not going to lock you up I'm just going to let you go what I'm just going to let you go what because there's no advantage in locking you up uh, but I'm cold that's not the reason why I'm not locking you up that's not my argument in law I don't think it's right so you might find that there's a little bit of conspiracy going on where there are pe people that are, all of us that may be accepting that from our side of the fence by saying, yeah, I'll put him in for three months, gets him off the street, gives yeah. him more, gives him a three million. So there may be an element of kindness passed out by the people in authority who could have made, because that's the people that make the decision to send people to jail. Committing a crime doesn't send you to jail. Committing the crime puts you in front of a court who then decide whether you go to jail or not. And you might not go to jail for many more offences. There are people that commit serious offences like ABH, you don't I always guess, go to jail. My, I guess my position on it is because we know that does happen. It may not happen yeah. in huge numbers, but it no, does no, happen. it's not a big. Move. And I think that's going to happen more. And certainly, we yeah, see it all the time. Yeah. We, we speak to lots of people who say, "Well, we're better off in jail than we would on the outside because we don't have this." And we see it all the time. People go, "Just why would you pay to go into jail to see an attraction?" Our sponsors, who are, uh, who are uh, prisons and tourist attractions, will have people say, "Why would you pay to go in? You just commit a crime and go for free." So that's already society's it's mentality to it. Flippantly yeah. said, though, quite it, it is. Always by people, and very frequently. I'm not saying it doesn't happen that people commit crimes too much, but by there's people who've never actually seen course, real prison. And They've people, never been people don't necessarily think their taxes go to pay for prisons, but they do. do. That's how they, that's how they are. All part of the criminal justice system. Yeah. But right at the very beginning, when we talked about the reason for prisons is to prevention in terms of preventing people from causing more crime. Yeah. We were talking about punishment, so removing you from society for, the, mm. for doing your crime. Deterrence in terms of society not committing crimes because they don't want to go into no, there is, and but, rehabilitation. Yeah. But surely the idea of where we are now, and I'm not saying it's right, it is the way it is, and it shouldn't be like that. Actually, there is a growing percentage of the population that would look at it and go, I'm better off being in prison. And actually, the idea that it's a deterrent for me is not a deterrent because it's looking encouraging. I'm putting myself there, so actually I'm gonna get a better style of life in prison yeah. than out of prison, so there's no longer a punishment. You're not preventing me from doing crime, you're encouraging me to do crime. And the rehabilitation side is neither here nor there because I'm already intelligent enough to know- No, the difference, that's right. But I'm be Taking away to... things like heating and food isn't necessarily going to improve things for people on the outside, though. Well, no, so they're therefore, they're... those people well, are still in that situation. Well, it, it could do, because the money that's spent on the heating and the food could be taken and allocated specifically for the, for the poor ends of society to help heat and feed. It could be planned into food banks or into energy company surplus. You know, it's, it's a huge... But you're working on the theory that it puts people off coming to prison. And it doesn't serve any purpose. I, I wonder, Prison serves you know, no purpose if, you know if it doesn't go to, to... But if you know you're coming to jail and you're only going to get two meals a day and no heating, yeah. doesn't that just increase the deterrent? I know, I know people that have come to jail that don't get 
one meal every three days. I, I told, when I, you start I, dealing with <laughs> heavy, heavy drug users, they're waking. Why do you think they're six stone? Some of these lads that come into these doors, they look like they're skeletons, a couple of days away from death. Yeah. Food isn't their priority out there. Heating isn't their priority. Yeah. Drugs is. So yeah. unless you address that, they're not going to change. They don't go and go to jail because it's warm. <laughs> they don't. Do I, do I, do I to give them the best chance of being able to make, take advantage of things like drug rehab programs, they need to be able to be physically well. Yeah, there's actually a word we haven't used yet, and, and, and MPs never use this word, believe it or not. I haven't heard them use it. We'll talk about crime in the sense of punishment and rehabilitation, but you never hear them talk about crime in, the, in, in a preventive way. Yeah. You never hear them that because it's very easy to throw up longer sentences and work on what they call the populist emotions of people talking about crime and rehabilitation or talking about punishment. But they don't go, we're going to need to talk about prevention because prevention is much more difficult to get your head round. It has to start at a very, very young age. We have to change the way we look at how we manage our societies and it may take a long time to find the results, 10 or 15 years. No politician goes beyond the next election, ever. And that's the trouble, isn't it? There's nothing long term enough because we know that there's this huge difference between the socio-economic kind of levels of crime. So putting more... Um, things into play in areas to help people have um, support is you know whether that's financial whether that's emotional whether that's you know educational whatever it is that is more likely to have a long-term effect on society than well, anything the, else. I suppose the classic example would be is if you look at the Norway prison system was it Norway I believe it is yeah. when they go to prison there it's like walking into Premier Inn their rooms are as big, they're probably bigger, they have many more facilities, like sitting there to do their, their work and their education. They have big walk-in showers, you know, very much Premier Inn style. Um, uh, like Premier Inn, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, just in case yeah, you know. I, know. <laughs> I do. Every time I go to the Premier Inn, I always, I'm always like, I should be a spoke, I should be a brand ambassador for Premier Inn. We've we right. chucked the Freeman in there for Premier yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, But the reality is, yeah. And yet they lock up less people than we do. Yeah. by some considerable amount. Yeah, so if you're using the argument that giving them nothing and treating them badly works, how do we explain Norway? How do we explain that? Especially when you compare it with... Because their society family. operates differently. Yeah. Because they're into dealing with things like good childcare. I was going to say they have so much more support for the new families in childcare. Young well, care. Let's, let's, let's take... Uh, let's, let's just listen. Let's hit... Listen. Let's, let's sit here. Uh, let, let. <laughs> I'm lost, I'm done. Um, Let's have a quick word from our sponsors and we'll be right back. You are listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50mm Media. Welcome to Shrewsbury Prison, Shropshire's number one tourist destination. Step behind the gates of this 200-year-old prison and discover an unknown world. Heritage tours run by ex-officers, where you can see the cells, walk the landings, see and touch the history. But there's so much more going on. Experience one of our brilliant activities or take part in our world-renowned events. From escape rooms to axe throwing, overnight sleepovers to prison break, we do it all. And there's something for all the family, with activities starting from 8 years, events from 12 years, 
and heritage tours for all ages. Visit our restaurant and experience food behind bars. There really is so much to see, do and discover on a day out at Shrewsbury Prison. Visit us at www.shrewsburyprison.com You're listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media. Welcome back to Life Behind Bars. You're listening to episode one. We're talking all about why do we have prisons. I'm going to just throw it out there because one of the things I know I'm going to find this throughout the whole series is so different having a, so different having a conversation with the two of you to other people I normally have a conversation with, especially in my work environment. Because when I ask you guys close questions, which I've done at different points, I'm expecting a yes or no answer. Somehow, neither of you give a yes or no answer. You managed to do a great explanation all the way through. I sit here kind of going, I'm trying to catch them out at this point. I'm trying to get them to a, a fixed yes you or no, but it just doesn't say, Never that. ask a closed question because you'll never get the answer that you want. Oh, well, maybe, maybe I'll go back to my... That's a psychologist will tell you that. You never, <laughs> never ask those questions because no, you never find anything out. Always. So we were talking about why we have prisons. And I, I, I just want to say, I, I absolutely do, do agree with you both. You know, I'm, I'm not somebody that sits particularly on the fence on anything. I'll always make a statement one way or the other. And I think, you know, I was putting points across to be... to, to look at other angles of it. I think society's got real, real problems. And I think prisons are a reflection of those problems. But it does cost a huge amount of money to operate oh, in a jail. Yeah. Massive. Yeah, we're into the billions. Huge, yeah, yeah, huge. And there is a balance of the way society look at prisoners and go, well, that's not fair. And actually, mm. they've given up their freedom. And we do start to tread. And that's why I wanted to, to mention it quickly. Because you spoke just before the... Um, just before that ad break about the Norwegian system, which very much is concentrating heavily on rehabilitation. I think there was a pro there's been a couple of programs, but there was one recently that was on Netflix. It was um, uh, Miriam she went to the prison system. Yeah. She saw it because she was going through the canteen or the shop. Yeah. And it was like a supermarket. Market. She was like, this is like little. Yeah. Um, and it is very much like that. And actually we did some work with a production company at, at one of our prisons where they wanted to run, they wanted to create a series which looked at 10 prison cells and 10 prisoners treated very much in the Norwegian system mm. and 10 prison cells and 10 prisoners treated very much like the Japanese system yeah. which is rack and pack and stack them mm. lock them up treat them badly no rehabilitation mm. and in you go and yes the Japanese numbers of, of prisoners is far greater per capita than obviously the Norwegian system actually far greater than us and, and, and we see that in America well, the champions, which is a, a the, slightly different beast the champions the champions of prisons are the United States of America I, they, are, <laughs> they certainly do win the bribe yeah. Yeah, without a doubt trust me yeah and, and America I guess doesn't work in terms of they still have the death penalty as the most severe form of punishment doesn't stop people committing but, crime yeah, I, they have the deterrence and they have more prisoners more, more guns more walls, more bars yeah. than anybody else. But just to clear that up about America, everybody assumes that the United States uh, has the death penalty. No, they don't. In certain states. There are only something like 23 states, it might be 27, I can't remember now, that carry, and out of those 20-odd that have the death penalty, only about five of yes, those states actually actively carry out the death sentence. And I did some research on this probably a couple of months ago because I was fascinated to find out the states that don't have the death penalty have a lower homicide rate, as they call it in America, than the states that do. So if you talk about deterrent, you go, explain that one to me then. Well, we they are, have the death we penalty in more murders. Yeah. They have no death penalty in less. 
And that comes back to, round to what you were talking about in terms of you know taking away um, certain privileges. It, it, if, if death penalty is not a deterrent, why is it going to take a meal? Oh, we, that, we, we, we've, got, we've got an episode coming up on the death penalty, yeah. on, on, on um, executions, which will cover capital punishment, public executions, non-public executions, executions yeah. in the UK, yeah. America, different countries. So let's pick that one up there because I think there's, yeah. and, and the three of us are in agreement, the executions does not work as a deterrent, and, and the facts and the figures clearly state that. But let's pick that in a different episode. I want I want to really nail down into why we have prisons, and I, and I guess the additional question is there: Do we treat prisons in the way that we should? Should society actually, and this will come back to education. You you spoke about it earlier. One of the rehabilitation programs you spoke about was prisoners learning about how to manage money, but we don't do that in school. No. Uh, I'm not sure if they do it in no, school anymore. Well, my, my, my daughter's no. in school. I, I haven't no. seen that on her, on her, how her talk, timetable. Talk about then, debt and how we create debt oh, and, no, no, no. She, and she how we manage debt I mean, and money. Yeah, not, not, And certainly not about learning about like yeah. you know, how to manage pay and taxes mm. and mortgages and the bills and, 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 and general living accountancy. Yeah, I think personally that prison should be about that last stop to help someone when... Where, whereas we for that to be the true case, there needs to be much more in place at an educational level and at a family support level and a community level to prevent people do getting you, into that situation in the first place. Do you think, this is literally off the top of my head, if people, I know what you're both going to say, I know how people are going to laugh at me about this, do you think if the large population of, of society were saw and understood more about how prisons work, the prison regime, in the same sense if everybody was taught about mortgages and debts and, and, and budgeting personally and stuff like that, and people were able to see more about hospitals and doctors and how that works, that actually that would make a big shift in society. So for example, I'm talking about if you took school children, it's great that they go to like Roman um, uh, villages and settlements, it's great they go to castles and learn all about old historic yeah. old old understanding history. our history yeah. but actually and maybe that's in a part of a different lesson but what if they went to tours of hospitals and were actually taken around a hospital by a doctor or by a surgeon and by a nurse and, and explained this is how hospital works and this is about this is the ward where people come because they've got this disease or maybe this is the cancer ward and some cancers unfortunately just people just get them Others are caused by smoking or by drinking or by poor health, yep. which leads into that health situation. And if we did the same thing in prisons, that every child went through a prison tour, for example, and learned about from prison officers and from prisoners, this is what prison's like. In the same sense, if we could do that with hospitals, we could do it with prisons, we could probably do it with police, we could probably do it in a smaller scale, but I'm not saying a small scale, but with, with fire. So we're kind of hitting those major pieces. Wouldn't then that have more effects? in terms of why we have prisons and also start to reduce ideally some of the crime therefore some of the prisoners some of the poor health epidemics we have ideally support people more financially because they manage better and therefore that will improve society i guess the final piece is do we not do that because no one's ever thought about it or do we not do it because politicians only think in four and eight years and that's a 
that's a generational change because it's got to be embedded and it's got to take time yeah. for them to it, learn. It's a long-term process. It's got, it's got to happen more than once. Sorry. Coming around and seeing something once, you need to get it reinforced and re like a lot of things do. But the trouble in society generally is that when you look at complicated things like prisons and hospitals and healthcare and social services, we have a tendency as being to simplify the problem. So it's easier for us to get our heads around it and we can then either condemn it yeah. or support it. And you'll find a lot of people will come up with very, very similar statements regardless, and we're talking about prisons now particularly, regardless of why these people are in jail, because they come from all walks of life with all different problems, we tend to think of them all roughly in the same way. We tend to treat them as all, they're all the same. And I've read it so many times on the internet. I've seen people write all kinds of stuff that people should be getting, automatically get 10 years. Yeah. Automatically. I said, everybody then. Yeah. I said, we'll never build enough prisons fast enough. You know, why do you think that people was, it doesn't work? Because they see it always as, if I punish people and tell them I'm gonna really hurt them and punish them, they'll stop doing it. People don't commit crime because they expect to get caught. They commit crime because they think they're not going to get caught. They don't even consider the consequences. No, that's all about consequential thinking. Yes, that that's all about- brilliant phrase yeah. that everybody in prison is bad at their job. Because they've all been caught. They've, they've, every single one yeah, of them. Yeah. About their job because you've yeah. been caught. Drug dealer, you've been caught. Motivation, you've yeah. been caught. I've, yeah. never, I've, never known, I've never known a burglar tap on somebody's door and, and make sure somebody's in before they can burglar them. They'll always try to burglar people when they're not there. Yeah. And when they go in at night time, they don't expect them to be there. Yeah, or, or they really don't yeah, want yeah. to bump into them. Or they're just not bothered. And they're sneaking around. Well, it depends on the desperation of why they're doing what they're doing. Remember, people that are get caught up in serious drug addiction and all that, they're really quite dangerous because of their desire to get that drug in their system, they don't even think of any consequences. It doesn't enter their minds. They, remember, this is, this is what they want. Yeah. That's the prime motive. That's why they don't eat very often very well. That's why they don't sleep very well. That's why the, every waking moment is looking for the next hit. That's the focus. It comes back to education and society and support because programs like you know that focus on all those different areas but just in general about how to be a part of community and support one another an education system that was much broader about the realities of like living and being a part of society as opposed to sit in a classroom and make sure you've got 100% attendance. <laughs> I, I just don't think that sets people up. And, and they talk about yeah. the attendance because they're talking, and there's this huge, huge focus work. on attendance. It's because of work. Yeah. Because be A, they need the childcare for people to go yeah. out and work, and B, they want um, They want a condition, so when you force. go to work, you, you turn up at work every day. You don't, oh, exactly. you, don't you, yeah. you pay attention, you put your hand up. It comes back to control, yeah, which we talked about earlier. But also, it talks, it's about, you know, they started bringing in more and more focus on it claiming that it was around um, forcing people to go when certain areas of people would, and again came back to socio-economic groups, people wouldn't necessarily ha have their children going into school, they're more likely to skip off or skive or not go, so therefore they put more and more focus on attendance. Well, that's not going to bring that child around and give them no. any more support because you're adding yeah. more and more punishment. Forcing people into something. I think we, you, we don't disagree. I'm going to make a statement out and I'm going to stand by it right from now to the next as long as I can live, which I hope is going to be another 50 years because I've got a pension to spend. 50 years. The bigger the gap between equality in society, 
you can expect to find down here a bigger level of people coming to prison. I'm not justifying their behavior and saying it's okay for them to behave like that. I'm just telling you that's the way it works. If you go back to the 18th century, the very, very poor people came to jail. But they should, you know, it doesn't excuse the fact that they committed a crime, but people's motivations and their, the way they behave and the way they believe about society. If their belief in society is they've been cast aside and no one's really caring about them, they go, so well, why should I worry about things then? Why should I care? Why should I care? What's in it for me? Well, we're going, to see, we're get, we're going to see very soon, I think, whether you're right or not, because as, as we record this episode... Well, it will pan out over five years ago. But, but a couple of days ago, obviously, they announced the new mini-budget, and the new mini-budget very much supports yeah. the, the top 10% and above yes. of earners. So, therefore, we're going to, the gap is going to get bigger. And it was only this morning, yeah. just before we recorded, that we could see the pound dropping and all the problems in it very clearly... Everybody in that top earning probably going to be okay. That gap is going to get yeah. so much bigger. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm conscious we're there. We're at time. We've, we're, we're, we're at the end of episode one. What I do want to ask both of you, um, and I'm, I'm going to ask you to try and keep your answers as, 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 as tight as you can, just because of time, is are prisons currently correct in the way that they're, they're doing things? And if not, which part needs to change? I think prisons are probably failing more than they're succeeding. Now that isn't excusing the fact there are some people that need to be locked up for a long, long time for no other reason yeah. that they need to be locked up to keep society safe. Simple as that. And we know we're talking about those very dangerous people. But at the other end of this scale, we're, we're just not putting enough emphasis. But it does really come back to prevention. And I can't avoid that. I can't avoid saying that because there are lots of people coming in uh, and, and we seem to be getting young people coming to the law much, much younger. They're now ending up in police stations at young ages and, and already there's a danger there that if they come in and coming up into the criminal justice system, it will frame the way they think about everything else after that when you're young. So as far as prisons go, no, I think we could do things a lot, lot better than we're doing them, but we shouldn't really be having to rely on prisons to do it. That's, it's a, it's a really complicated answer, that one, it is. It's, no, I, 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 think, yeah. I think... We should be doing a lot more in a different way. the last way. thing that yeah. we should be getting to, we should be having... All the, the government are predicting, before. this is the government, because I read it on a government website, they're predicting that we're going, in by the end of 2026, they're building another 18,000 prison places. They're predicting 98,000 people. How do they know that we're going to need them? What, what, what is the basis of belief? But they should be saying, no, 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 no. We want to do something to keep what we've got and get I'm them not, down. I'm not going to pick up now because we don't have But we time. seem to be quite happy to put the prison population up. There is a piece about whether government actually are better off by having more prisons and more prisoners. But that's for a different show. I'll, I'll drop that one in there as something to listen to down the line. But there is, there is a argument. There is a... It, it might be a little bit kind of conspiracy theory-esque, but there is a piece that actually shows that there is, for a government, it's better to have more people in prisons. And there's a reason behind it, we, we see some of it in America. But we'll come back to that in a different, in a, in a, in a different show. Emma? Um, I, I think that rehabilitation is really important. I just don't think we go far enough. And I think a lot of that comes back to that preventative stuff. But also when you do look at other systems, and I'm like Norway, um, and it's, it's even more, I guess, 
people would describe as lenient um, regularly. It's, it's got more comfort, yet they've got a better, um, a, a reduced prison rate compared to, yeah. it's, you know, they've got a better um, re recidivism yeah. rate and yeah, so forth than us. They lock up less people and they, and they return, and they return less. less. Yeah, yeah. So recidivism yeah. is about the return rate. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think we don't go far enough and I think that does come back round to prevention as much as anything because yeah, you know, it's as simple as well, Graham just mentioned about the more prisons being built, yet social services are being cut, and these are some of the most yeah. like needing children. It, it, you know, if you, if you want to make a change, you need to start at the beginning, and it does take generations. Oh, as you said, they're building more prisons, and they can't even staff the ones they've got now. Oh, there's there's huge huge problems. So they'll run them on a budget, and yeah. they'll run them so they're ineffective because they won't have the staffing and the resources. We'll, we'll so they're we'll ineffective. To that, but we've yeah. seen. I, I'll, I'll drop in. We've saw the. Uh, we saw it with uh, utility companies, mm. and we're going to see the same thing with prisons, and potentially, if we're not careful, the same thing with NHS. Different point, different subject, different time. Um, that has been episode one of Life Behind Bars. We've talked all about why we have prisons. Um, if you enjoyed it, please do leave us a comment. Do throw any questions our direction. We will pick those up in the following episodes, absolutely. We will respond to all of those. If you have questions specifically for Graham or for Emma, do send them in. Uh, don't send me your questions. Send them to the people who actually know what they're talking about. Um, I'll, just, I'll just talk about cutting costs. Um, uh, no, so do, do send in your questions. Uh, do subscribe to it. And next week, so our next episode, we're going to be talking about serial killers. So we're going to go straight in there with episode two to talk about serial killers. Okay. So yeah, do join us for episode yep. two where we'll be doing that. Um, and thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Life Behind Bars, produced and created by 50 Mill Media.